Hey sinners, it's Adam Knox. I want to tell you a story today. One about how to kill a slave god and how I killed the slave god in my life. And inside of the story, I'm going to tell you a journey that you may have heard before. You're going to start to recognize how this same power has lived in your life. And how you can maybe at last be free from it, or at least understand its nature. And really give an answer to why this false argument in the left hand and the right hand path illusions. At the same time, I've also opened the platform more to some questions. And starting from today at the end of each episode, I'm going to answer the question to one of you that wrote in or that is answered to one of my requests online. And if you, by the way, have anything that you'd like to ask, drop me a mail at info at thecult.co.za. And maybe I get to include your question in one of these episodes. Uh, whether that is a question that you've got, something that you'd like to learn personally, or maybe even someone you'd like to see me bring on the show or a subject. There's some really interesting things coming ahead. Um, myself and the team, or the coven rather, have decided to give a little bit more of a intellectual share and exploration of the dark side of the tree as well as the main tree. And you'll be able to see some of those features coming in as of during the course of the new month. So do be on the lookout for that as well as another month full of jam-packed interviews and interesting ideas. But today, let's talk about the mystery of the slave god and how to defeat him. So one of my favorite kind of arguments that I'm always amused at is this left hand, right hand, you know, kind of path argument. And in today's episode, there's quite a lot of things that I'd like us to kind of explore, but they're all going to tie in quite beautifully around the idea of our personal development and the nature of the slave God and our battle with it. So fundamentally, the big difference in the view sets is that Right-hand paths are traditional religious viewpoints, and left-hand path is anything that's a violation of that. You'll even see the nature in the way the Catholic um, approach is done for the cross versus the Kabbalistic approach for the cross. Each starting or having a different, um, pointing at a different shoulder when this is done. And one of the fundamental premises is of this is because in the one theology, man is unworthy of God and looks unto God, seeing himself as this lesser, the sinner. Um, and as such, the tree of life itself is even reversed. And I'm speaking here specifically of the Kabbalistic tree of life and its symbolisms. Yet in the magical traditions and pantheons, we see the exact opposite. The Magi takes the tree of life within themselves and essentially tries to unlock the divine within themselves. Now, based upon this understanding, this basically means most of what we would call, lots of people would argue in the magical and spiritual traditions 
as right-hand path being light-based traditions and left-hand path being dark-based traditions is completely incorrect by this fundamental premise because even light traditions try to unlock their divinity. So news for you, you're all a bunch of heretics based upon the original context. Even those that so high and mighty put out their posts about, you know, stopping those in the left-hand path, which are usually magicians, you know, which work a hermetic system or another life-based system, are in of themselves actually practicing a form of left-hand path because they are trying to unlock the divine within and they see fundamentally that the potential of God is within and the purpose of even that system of initiation is to unlock that potential and to awaken to its full realization or the attainment of Godhead. You see, the big fundamental catch, though, is or the big misconception actually comes from a completely different area. And has nothing to do with these original or modern day ideas. Now, a classic book to read in the area of sex magic is Demons of the Flesh. And the author in there shares these viewpoints as well. And that is that if we look at the roots of what is the original left-hand path, and we take this back to the old tantric Nashida-based traditions, the original paths in this, where we find very much the root of modern-day yoga and practices like that, in and of itself was simply because the woman was the one always on the left-hand side. Hence, left-hand path in that sense actually really just meant any tradition that venerated the woman. That's it. So, you know, news for you, if you're a feminist, you're basically a left-hand path practitioner. And this is why this veneer of it has also been cloaked onto the path of witchcraft and magic and so many other areas, because magic in itself is a feminine art. And this is not necessarily meaning it is necessarily a woman in that sense. It's feminine in the sense of it is internal. The subconscious mind is considered feminine. So by that same token, again, if you practice any affirmations or any work on the subconscious mind, guess you're doing the same thing. So most of these arguments of left hand or right hand path or good versus evil comes from a primitive mind. And let me explain it this way. The old notion is that the soul is always seeking salvation, it is always seeking heaven, and it's trying to escape hell. Now, remember the Greek word for soul is psyche. So your psyche, and if we look at the principles of modern day neurolinguistic programming, we look at behavioral sciences, we will find very easily that the soul or psyche is consistently caught in a struggle of duality, a struggle in which it perceives some things that it associates or move towards, as we say in NLP, and something it'll move away from. Um, or another term that was used for this in more primitive days is it'll want to go into heaven, aka a state of pleasure or bliss, or it'll want to avoid a state of pain or hell, essentially. That's really what it boils down to. This is not some end of the world thing. This is a basis of human behavioral science. The reason we make all the choices we do, the reasons you choose a tradition or a culture that you do, and you don't choose another one is because you link more pleasure to the one and more pain to the other. The reason you don't do certain things is because you associate more pain to that thing and more pleasure to not doing the thing. And this is literally what controls your behavior. That's why these are principles 
that depend on our that that determine our map or our experience of reality at such a fundamental level that their actualization has become mythic in its proportions joseph campbell the author of hero of a thousand faces and one of the greatest scholars of our time said that all religions are true in that the symbolism is true in other words the meaning is that if we look at these stories in a symbolic sense we try to understand its deeper meaning instead of immediately attributing these supernatural qualities to it that's when we actually start tapping into its mystery and we can get away from this biased because that's that what there is there's this biased about my religion my path my tradition your tradition we see this even in the mystical traditions um i'm a you know wiccan i'm a witch i'm a satanist i'm a christian luciferian um whatever the attribute or title that you are holding up is also the victim of the same principle you see and this is where we come to understand actually for the first time who the slave god is now it is very common for this argument in this place is that where this or let's just say where this originates from a lot of its common translations for today comes out of the classic Diabolicon. The Diabolicon was a channeled book, a very short book, about 20-something odd pages, describing the battle in heaven and the fall of the fallen angels. And inside of this, Lucifer becomes awakened. In other words, he becomes aware of his free will and the capacity of free will. And it's inside of that that the battle ensues where an angel that was the closest to this principle of God, Messiah, um basically doesn't want mankind to have free will and basically the battle starts charges michael to cast lucifer out and there's a whole thing about why there won't be a battle again in the search outside of the influence of what is really the demiurge now in essence this is where the context kind of comes into because the story and the Gnostic point of view of the Garden of Eden is very, very different and offers us a different vantage point for which a different lens through which we should look at these these ideas. And this is one where the serpent sneaks or swears or Lucifer swears to come back into the garden to save man, to free man. And there's this ideology that man is a slave. Man is um, unaware, unconscious of his potential of the seed of god of the godhood of the divinity of the infinite potential of this free will that exists within him and her and that is what then leads to the consuming of the tree of knowledge which brings about awareness but unfortunately out of awareness we also get the first duality shame and bliss it's this first initial play that then brings forth the other dualities, the other forms of pleasure and pain. This then falls, creates the fall out of Eden. This fall we see in Kabbalistic structure is the tree of life with Da'at in the center or at the top of the tree, which then is the hidden Sephiroth. This hidden Sephiroth falls down and becomes a Malkuth. Malkuth being the word for kingdom or translates as kingdom. Your Malkuth is your current personal reality, okay? So you can think of it in simpler terms. If you take this mythical thinking and you bring it down to practical life, the moment you were born, you were born in the kingdom of God, quote unquote, you were born in a state that was non-dual. And as you then started to progress in life, you started to differentiate. 
you started to separate little bits and pieces. You started to identify this is pain, this is pleasure. And not only did you do that in the world that you were going into, but you did that within yourself because your sexuality, your serpent started sneaking into the garden, you know, in order to liberate you because the serpent is also the sexual part. And you were said, oh, no, no, don't touch there. Don't do that. That's wrong. That's bad. And you started having shame. So you started holding up the flower, quote unquote, these, and you couldn't face your God self, your fundamental flow of nature. And God here needs to be recognized as not necessarily the fundamental concept of the slave God, but it is the fundamental principle of all things. The word God was essentially never used in the original text. We get God from the German Herchot that you know, has its roots more in the Nordic and the Germanic traditions. And a word still used is Chot, G-O-T. This got this power, which is the fundamental principle of, you know, it can be equated very much to the Taoist idea of the Tao, which is the way. This fundamental essence and energy also then gets differentiated as we step further and further away from it, as we fall out of the state of fundamental unity into more and more layers of duality. And the way to understand this is that we are becoming more and more unconscious, more separated. And this is a principle in hypnotism. In hypnotism, if I want to put you into a hypnotic trance, one of the things I may do, there's many things I can do, but one of the things I may do is I may stop speaking to your, your hand as if it is your hand. I won't say, give me your hand. I will say, give me that hand. And then I will say things like, that hand does this or I would to use another term I would say your unconscious does this does that what I'm in fact doing is I am creating a deeper level of cognitive dissonance inside of your brain I'm creating another layer of separation from you and another part of you now our shame was the first degrees of separation this doesn't mean you were perfect and here's where the doctrines of manipulation comes in the doctrines of manipulation will tell you things like oh you must be again like a child that text is a little bit incomplete there you see when you were a child you were not perfect you were just not tainted that's it you were raw potential that's all you had the infinite potential of the divine within you. You were not divine by and of itself. You were as unaware as birds, you know, with little birds. And this is the nature of the Garden of Eden. When they fall, they are all there unconscious. They're asleep in that sense. They are not aware of, they're not making the conscious decisions. Much the same way as birds in flight do not make their conscious decisions when they need to migrate. And, and animals when it's time to breed these are almost decisions being made for them at a group or a biological level there's biological processes there's fundamental processes of the planet that are at play here which is outside of their conscious range and this is where we find the key the slave god or what was referred to then as yahweh is the one in which we are a slave to. In fact, we see his behavior pattern in the Old Testament as being very vengeful, very moody, very opinionated, very much like an arrogant human being that feels more empowered or more you know, privileged than they actually are. Why does it need worship? Why does it need all these venerations and things like that? The fact of the matter is that it already has the worship. And 
allow me to explain that through the principle of the elements. When the Hebrew language is kind of defined, there's these the idea of the supernals, the, the mothers and the double letters. These, uh, it's broken down into three uh, supernals, which is the Aleph, the Mem, and the Shin, which can be seen as the elemental and alchemical principles, which also attribute to uh, fire, water, and air. And then we get out of that the seven, which attributes again to the seven planets. And we get the 12, which then attributes the 12 signs of the zodiac. And we can go into endless correspondence and links to how the 12 signs, you know, again, linked to the 12, the, you know, apostles and all of this kind of stuff here. Now, Jesus is another character. And we'll get to that character in a minute to see how this all relates. But only at the bottom of the tree. Only in the final one do we find Malkuf, which is the outermost layer. It's the most furthest degree of separation. And that's where we kind of find ourselves. So as we've done this fall, we are there now in earth. All right. Even though all the elements are present, we're in earth. We're in the physical matter of things. This is also considered to be in some theologies or some cosmologies, the you know gate of the of the Klepothic world. Um, others would position it going through Da'ad. Both are true, depending on your cosmology you subscribe to. But we'll, 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 we'll chat about that. It is here that we come to understand that most people, and if you've done any degree of therapy or work on yourself, you'll be aware that you are not aware. In fact, so much of our behavior only is going to come to the front when it's oftentimes too late. Like the Oracle says to, to Neo, you've already made the choice, Neo. You're here to understand why you made the choice. A lot of our therapy, especially when we grow old and we start looking more into our inner selves and what's going on inside of us, we start to recognize there are these unconscious factors that were at play. Unconscious beliefs and paradigms and models of reality, unconscious ideas. Now, when we look at this from a magical context, even if we take the moon, the moon itself, which is the symbol of the subconscious mind, which is the symbol of Yesod and the tree of life, which is the first sphere outside of Malkuf, outside of our conscious current awareness or current reality, is then the subconscious mind. It is also corresponded to our own sexuality. So in other words, that sexual serpent that came in in our first place and then through judgments and associations, we linked pain to, we disassociated, we made it, we pushed it even more unconscious. This natural resource of our creativity, we pushed more unconscious. In fact, we see its nature as evolution in evolution because every major act of influence or evolution, sorry, in our society has always been preceded by a change in our arts and in our sexuality. The arts, again, can be related to Venus or Netzach, which we also then find in the Tree of Life. Another factor that seems to be unconscious. Another one is the driving mercurial aspect, the arrogance that almost brings about the brilliance and the genius. These are all form factors inside or which we are more unconscious of. So this language of the spheres becomes then a language of the archetypical nature of the self, the blueprint that we are operating on from an unconscious level. And the purpose or the practice of magic then is to awaken God. In other words, to make known the unknown, to become conscious of that deepest most part. And not only to become conscious or reconnect with that part, but to fully mature it and to give it a healthy expression. You see, the fall is necessary. The fall wasn't the curse. It says, and now man has become like us. 
You know, in other words, that's the moment we become gods. That's the moment we awaken to the potential of our free will. That's when that journey actually begins the moment the serpent comes into the garden and we eat of the forbidden fruit. But now we associate shame with it and we keep repressing and keep repressing. And these keep creating unconscious factors that manipulate us. In other words, that enslave us. How many things are you enslaved to really? We look at the world today. People are so seduced by what they see outside. They think if I get that pretty house, that new car, all qualities of sight, then I am going to be happy. Then I'm going to have what I want. They listen to what other people say, all qualities of sound. And they listen to other people for affirmations. And they trust in that and they use this to make judgments and assessments. We're easily seduced by, sound, by beautiful sounding words and ideas and concepts. We are easily seduced by our senses. The senses are again a manifestation of that same Yahweh principle. Now, in essence, what that principle breaks down to, if we take away the arguments of deity projection onto it and old entities that review themselves under this, and we forget about all that, and we simply break it down to its core principle, this idea is the Tetragrammaton. The Tetragrammaton, which translates as the holy four-lettered name of God, is yod Hey vav hey, And these four letters describe very much those three supernals, those four aspects of the elements, and the fourth, which is earth. Okay? Now, we see a difference between that and Yeshua when he comes in in the translation, because Yeshua is oftentimes described to as the pentagrammaton, or holy five-lettered name of God. In other words, it has the same four letters, but it has a fifth one now included into it. And that fifth letter included into it here is the letter Shin. Shin then basically translates as the purifying fire. This means each and every one of us has all four of those elements in our nature. You and I are the slave God initially. We are conditioned by that. In other words, we are in service to the slave God. We are not even aware that we are being controlled by these unconscious processes. Now, those unconscious processes we manifest through our psyche or through our senses, yes. And that's why even texts like the Bhagavad Gita demonstrates the idea of man being driven by his or her senses. You know, how we're seduced by the external, the material, because we're meaning-making machines. We're trying to project that meaning, which really is from us, our own beauty, our own tiferet, our own soul, inside of the world. And that's just the process. That's how we start to engage with the experience. It's also part of the key to our magic as well as the key to our slavery. Now, inside of this journey of beautiful transmutation, what the addict or the initiate does is the initiate then raises their consciousness out of Malkuth systematically into other spheres and not only becoming aware of them, but purifying them and then maturing them, going through an alchemical process with each of these components to recognize that what I'm projecting out of the world, what I'm actually a slave to, unconsciously, I now need to control. Whether I'm a slave to thinking my partner is the best thing in the world, you know, or my company or this, you know, when I have that car, I'm going to be happy. All these external projections and unconscious games that we play. Do you know why you get angry? Do you understand what your value systems are? Do you know why you do all the things you do or how much of them are unconscious? You see, this goes even further. Like, let's take 
there's a principle known as attachment theory. And attachment theory, and I'm not going to go into too much detail with that, but attachment theory helps us understand why we get jealous and why we love the way we do. You get, for example, an, anx an anxious attach attachment uh, approach, which is somebody that's constantly pushing. They're constantly uh, trying to get the attention. They almost come across as needy. Why do this is in and of itself a corrupt, shall we say, air element. You know, it's overthinking or it's over analytical or sorry, an over, uh, no, let me correct myself there, an overactive water element. So it is a water element that's gone into its negative, it's corrupt. In other words, I'm completely controlled by that thing. I'm not even aware of myself doing it. I feel like I have no control over it. I just do. It's a compulsion. It comes up unconsciously. This is my slavery to that dimension of the slave God. Now, in the same context, I can have the opposite avoid uh, the opposite strategy, which is an avoidant one. An avoidant one is where I'm almost not involved at all. I don't want to get anything inside of that. Like uh, I, it's the person that you know the second things get intimate, the second they get close, they pull away, they push away. They're not there. They're not able to experience the full depth of love. Especially if we understand that all the traditions always say to us, God is love. This fundamental Tao is love it's because it's the ultimate unity within all duality, which is what the fundamental translation of these names kind of comes down to. It is our deep rapport with each other that also empowers is our magic how can you influence anything that you are not connected to this is why magic works in the first place now it's inside of this that we see these manifesting in our therapy in our design in our sciences today when we look at the way the way the way people struggle with relationships the combine of these two which is an air or a corrupt air is what's called a disorganized attachment style that's somebody that has both you know they've got Literally, they've locked themselves of the one and out of the other. They're they're avoidant. They're and they're anxious. They're a little bit. They're they're overcomplicated. They're they're pushing too much. They're demanding too much. And then they pull away. They still don't want to commit at the same time. That's a disorganized style. So now you see what happens when the air gets corrupted, when the water gets corrupted, and when the you know um, the fire when the fire gets corrupted. These elements need to be purified inside of ourselves. And in other words, we need to understand these unconscious processes that we are running, where they're coming from, what their roots are in our lives, what's our deeper kind of issues. It's not just a matter of a simple ritual or a simple spell. Liberating yourself from the slave God means liberating yourself from slavery to these dimensions of the God body. Because they're all components of the matrix. They're not good or bad by any sense of the word. They're just principles. You know, they're fundamental fabrics of the nature of that. Now, we can put masks on them, and many traditions have. The same way uh, an effective hypnotist or an effective influencer can take a fundamental principle of your psyche and then say, oh, that's your unconscious doing that. Oh, that is this doing that. And then what happens is your brain starts to associate the two. This is where the manipulation comes in through the religions and traditions and things like that. And you know what? If it serves you, great. But if it doesn't serve you, let it go and walk away from that and start designing your own universe because that's what, this, that's what the journey is about. You see, as we begin to purify or liberate ourselves from the slave God, you know, and ourselves become the God above God, the awakening above that. The same way even Yeshua does. Christ comes in and purifies the four elements and unites them inside of love. Uh, and love again here means unity. 
This is the journey each and every one of us has to go through in our progression. And this kind of expands under the notion that, again, the old phrase that says, you know, Jesus was not a Christian. Buddha was not a Buddhist. These were men who unlocked access to that component, that divine fundamental self that each and every one of us possesses. Jesus said, they will come, those will do as I do, and greater things shall they do. And it's inside of that that we recognize that the propaganda, the slavery came after. They came after when other people started programming their philosophies and their ideals inside of it. Jewish people, many Jew, Jewish people still believe that Jesus carried the plate of the Shema Mephiros, you know, on his body, which gave him the abilities that he did. This is the extended formula. But understand that that extended formula, the the minimized or compressed version of this is still the tetragrammaton, still the four-lettered name. So when that letter is, we, we liberate ourselves from its slavery and we start to unlock its power and potential and we become its master, the same way pain and pleasure controls you versus you becoming aware of pain and pleasure and consciously deciding what is going to mean pain to you and what is going to mean pleasure to you and then becoming conscious or matured spiritually inside of that mastery and that then is the overcoming of the duality this impulse that is inside of us at the very base that is the rebellious spirit you know that some would refer to as lucifer's the one that falls the one that rebels it's a part of our nature you know regardless of what your path is it's inside of you and the catch is people that just try and repress that component not integrated they are the ones that end up having the biggest shadows to cast. The greater the light, the greater the shadow. That's why we see so many of these people that are great light workers, so supposed to be, and they're really deeply freaking damaged. You know, they're causing more hurt than good. And that's why you often seem, oftentimes seem people that are supposedly evil, bad, whatever, left-hand path practitioners being the most compassionate, kindest people in the world. Here's why. See, a lot of people look at the path of those traditions and they go, oh, they work with demons, they work with that. You can think of the dark path as advanced shadow work at a universal level. That's really what it is. In the philosophy of the Kabbalistic theology, the light of God first tries to manifest, but the Sephirah couldn't handle it and it shattered and created the Klippa, the fallen tree of life. And then only was the tree of life produced. So it's out of the darkness that the other tree kind of exists. But it also recognizes the philosophy that inside of each of those klipa is the nitsutsut, which is the foundational light essentially necessary to clear up the way. Hence why Crowley, uh, Kenneth Grant, and many others, we talk about the journey as one walking up the tree of life all the way into Bina. And then from Bina being swallowed in through Da'at, through the abyss, to do the real dark work, the real hectic work, you know, in the shadows to unlock. And then those quote-unquote daemons were actually daemons. They were guides. They were, you know, deeper fundamental archetypes or components of the universe that we would then have to operate or work with or ascend to and mature into. The same way we had to become conscious and attuned into the ones in the light in the first part and then into the ones in the dark. And only through that can we mature our way up to the top and then out into Chachmah and then finally into Keter. And this is where the big choice would be. The big choice would be, do I fundamentally dissolve into the universe and become one with God? And that's the phrase, when you see God, you are no more because your entire personality portion of the brain is just eradicated. It's no longer, fun you're functioning at a cerebral level. Versus do I simply stay in Chachmah, stay just in front of Keter, 
and then utilize my power now that I am free of duality, now that I myself am Abraxas, you know, or I am the mastery over Abraxas, which is the principle over or what's called the God above God, the, the principle over all duality, over all light, over all darkness, not subject to either of it. So the truth is in the esoteric philosophy is that you are not man, but you are man initially, and you're taking man and evolving it. This is the philosophy of Adam Kadman. Adam Kadman, which is the perfected man, the man who has awakened all these portions of the tree in order to liberate him or herself. But the catch is, is the bias, the duality that comes into this, which is still a victimization of duality. Practitioners that stand on the one side of the tree and they're just going, no, I'm not gonna go into the other side because that's bad and that's evil. Um, you're just not completing the journey. And others that are also on the opposite side of the tree that just judge, you know, the other one. This is this childlike argument between the traditions and the path creates dissonance inside of the psyche or takes the dissonance that is there that is manifesting in these things and increases its intensity even more, creating a sense of separation inside of the practitioner. And this is what really makes people come up with this rubbish idea of that the path is lonely. Path is not lonely. If you're on a path as a magician, creating reality, and you're suffering from extreme loneliness, extreme unhappiness, that's not because of the path. That's because of the slavery that you are still a victim of. So it doesn't matter if you're left hand or right hand or whatever you call yourself. If you're not resolving these issues within, if you're not becoming conscious of these unconscious processes, you are a victim of the slave God. Now, I say that I killed the slave God. And sometimes I have, you know, he's like Osiris, he resurrects. Sometimes I have moments where I have to reface him. But we go through this journey overall and over and over again in life. And the best way to the journey of ultimate love is through the death by love. You see, whether you're falling in love with a person, whether you're falling in love with a business or an idea, and that thing gets taken away from you, sooner or later, you, like Lucifer, will fall. And it's in the fall where you have a choice. The choice is, and this is the way you're really learning to cultivate free will, where you can believe in the doctrine and the narrative of reality that you first had, or you can become aware of the unconscious forces behind beliefs, paradigms, ideas, planetary influences, all these that were controlling you and kept you in that place, which you now have evidence for was not what you were meant for. Or you can rebel up against heaven. And by heaven, I mean your original idea of pleasure and purpose. See, this has nothing to do with some Armageddon inside of the world. I've seen the same thing happen with so many practitioners of Enochian magic. Enochian magic, to a certain degree, brings about the Armageddon of the personal uh, individual. It's your own Armageddon that happens. The world goes on just fine. Nothing happens there. It's your personal transmutation. But it can be so intensely real because for you it is. And because it is real for you, magically you're affecting your world in that way. You will literally be vibrationally pulled out of other people's lives that aren't in matching vibrations. And you'll be tuned into vibrations specifically to it. And this, however, is where the left-hand path or the dark path in that sense, the dark klipa teaches us such valuable lessons because it teaches us how to go through the transmutation, through the pain, through the loneliness, how to find the meaning and the power inside of a shattered reality and hell and pain. But it's difficult. And why a lot of people suffer is because they haven't even gotten aware of the things on the light side of the tree that's controlling them. 
How are you dealing with it at that level? And this is sometimes the danger why I believe a lot of people struggle and they come up with these extreme fantasy versions because they cannot still differentiate from what's going on inside of their unconscious. Now, a sad thing that some people may say is like, oh, so this is all just psychology. You know, it's all just unconscious processes in my brain and my childhood and my future projections of myself. You know, well, to a degree, yes, the it is your your inner child is your past self, your higher self is your future self, your presence is where you want to bring all of these so they're aligned. That's the trinity, and that's the alignment or rapport within yourself, and out of that you establish rapport with the universe. But it is more than that. You see, once you're in this space and you begin to truly believe in yourself. And you believe in yourself because you have healed yourself. The reason you don't love yourself, the reason you don't believe yourself is because you still have these separations of yourself you don't even know you you're looking for it in relationships you're looking for it in you know success and in businesses and money and stuff like that you know truth is you just need to survive financially you need a, a shelter food you know there's very little that we actually need as human beings but people feel like they're gonna die if they don't have the new iphone or if they're seen in a certain way so they filter themselves through someone else's point of view i heard a beautiful saying in um, an episode of American Gods season three. And I forget the goddess's name when she walks out and Shadow Moon's asking her, you know, what, what changed? And he said, she said, you know, for so long, I was seeing myself through other people's eyes that I started believing that's what it is. Now I'm paraphrasing a bit. And the change was for her that she started seeing herself through her own eyes, who she needs to be, her own beauty, her own sacredness. How many of you are looking for someone else to see you? You know, we understand from all these influence technologies, winning conversations and crap like that. It was like, you know, make people feel understood, make them feel heard. That doesn't show us an influence technique. It shows us how broken human beings are. It shows us how deeply separated and disconnected people are and they shatter their relationships and they shatter every single aspect of their life chasing a ghost because that's what it is you're thinking you're going to find the one you're thinking you're going to get the you know perfect it's going to come that perfect life's going to come you are the perfect one you are the perfect life you are the beauty that you seek but you've become unconscious to it you are a slave to the slave god and unless you take the actual steps and processes to become aware of the slave God as it operates inside of you, what is the elemental makeup? What is the quality of your attachment wounds? Then only can you achieve the final attachment wound, the, the, the final attachment style, which is secure attachment. That is when we can securely attach and bond with people. And if they leave, they leave. We're not lost. We're not broken. This is closer to a state of Zen than years of meditation is ever going to bring you. And this is the recognition of the liberation that we need to go through in order to unlock our own divinity, to realize, as Psalm 82 said, ye are all gods and you're the children of the Most High. But recognize now here that when we speak of the concept of God, I don't care if you use God or universe or the dragon or any of those terms. The term you use does not matter to spirit. It is a symbolic language by which you neurologically associate and fire off vibrations and intent inside of your nervous system and your energy matrix. And that is what is heard. 
okay that's why some people can do practices that work like that and others take years and they do the same work and it doesn't do anything it's because the internal representation the internal narrative is different you know in the one's narrative the world is gods and monsters and the other one's narrative they are the gods and monsters and they have endless potential within them to manifest this great vision inside of their heart now that's a bunch of information I hope you've had some fun with it and, and, it, and it's opened your mind to some other possibilities. And if there's something that you'd like me to go into with more detail, please give a comment, you know, beneath this video or in, make sure you've liked and you subscribed and given us some support or just drop us an email at info at the and I'd be happy to answer that and kind of go into a little bit more detail. So stick around for a few seconds. And at the end of this video, I'm going to answer, you know, a question from one of our friends. Hey, sinners. Okay, so our question today comes from Gary. Gary asks, when it comes to transmutation of the vital energies internally, how would you best describe the milestones one exhibits on successful transmutation of vital energy into essence? Now, good question. In fact, such a good question, my friend Gary, that we could spend like a freaking entire mini seminar discussing that properly. And I take it you take you you bring that question from a, an educated space. You've done some some work and some research in terms of that. Now we have to qualify the question at least to a degree for the sake of this conversation. And please, if I'm if I'm getting the context wrong, do just send me an update and let's kind of refine that. But when we talk about the vital energies of the body, we're specifically oftentimes referring to the sexual base energy of the body. Now, this is vital force energy. And let me be very specific here that sexual energy does not necessarily indicate um, arousal. Arousal is a manifestation of sexual energy. But in an esoteric context, when we refer to sexual energy, we refer to the dual energy as a whole. So in other words, it can be your active light. It can be your active darkness. It can be your masculine, your feminine. It can be your ups and downs. It can be any of the dual shifts in the body of which, however, sexual energy is the most concentrated. And this is why it has been oftentimes very much associated also alongside of its position to that of the base chakra. Now, a very interesting philosophy is on the journey of Yeshua in the biblical context. He starts his journey off in Bethlehem, Beth Alehem, which can be translated roughly as house of bread. What an appropriate name for the base chakra and ends in Kolkata, which is a place inside the skull. What a perfect name for the crown chakra. The journey of Yeshua is actually the journey of the dual energy of the sexual energy now being purified and brought up through each of the chakras, the seven heavens, the seven kingdoms into achieving enlightenment. And it's just before the last one, there, there is the death. When I see God, I am no more. In other words, when we spoke about earlier in the session, we spoke about you know, the, the addiction to the slave God. Well, the way that I liberated myself from the slave God is I died. I literally died with enough pain, enough transmutation. All my old attachments and addictions to those principles, um, I was liberated from. I broke free from through death, 
through eventually linking so much pain to it and breaking from that narrative and then starting to see myself as the actual source behind that, recognizing that principle within me and then as such becoming the source of it, no longer feeling a dependency or a need for it outside of myself. And that's when the energy relationship with it shifted and I became in charge of that vibration. Now, that's macrocosmic. So in other words, as we start to transmute this energy correctly inside of ourselves, the transformation happens at multiple layers inside of it. It's the energetic level, the psychological level, and the behavioral level at the very least, and then ultimately at a quantum level, if you will. So there's, it's still that fourfold nature of our being that it, we have to have these manifestations of each of the tiers. So that's the important thing to recognize or to remember. When we begin any journey or philosophy inside of the magical journey we go through the elemental philosophy in other words the first thing we get is air air is the imagination or the visualization of a thing it is also the intellectual gaining of data of the thing it's the mental exercise around it if you will the next stage is the actual action component which is the fire component in other words when the when the air then affects the fire the fire gets stimulated in other words i'm not doing the exercise i'm doing the breathing and the transmutation it is then from there on that I activate actually water. The water comes in response to the fire. And we, we often see this in the mythologies of the fire and the ice being the first two principles, the core principles of the duality. So this is again that duality starting to resolve itself. That then comes up in my being as the water. In other words, now I start getting the emotional vibration for it. And first it's a push. I got to push for that feeling but it's a feeling. Once I get that feeling going and I've taken the action and I'm aligned with the data and the information, now suddenly my body starts to respond. And the moment the body starts to respond, that's when it's earth. In other words, now you've completed the alchemical chain or the elemental chain under the guidance of spirit. In other words, under the guidance of purpose. You have a clear why and that's when it works. One of the things that oftentimes makes a lot of people struggle with their practice is because they don't even know why they're doing it or what the end result should be. And because they don't do that, there's a degree of disassociation. It's the same as in a hypnotic sense or in a film context. If I'm influencing somebody into a certain direction or a certain purpose, and I don't give them an idea of what that frame is. If I don't paint a picture of what an archetype looks like, for example, Anubis, you know, and I talk about the qualities of Anubis and while I'm doing it, I'm making you picture gold and I'm making you picture the snout and I'm making you picture these things. Then it wouldn't mean anything if I suddenly showed you that image. But if I've pre-framed you, if there's been some immersion into the philosophy or into the tradition or into these ideas, no, just simple hints of it. Is enough for the subconscious mind to cling onto the thing and go, oh, that's the meaning. That's why, you know, the, the utilization of sigils and the utilization of a lot of these things eventually sometimes don't have any value for people until they've actually done their research around them. There's been that cognitive association to the purpose. And from that, we can generate the experience by which we then produce reality. So one of the taking one of the things about the sexual energy transmutation again there's many ways to apply this the process or alchemical process by which we transmute base energy or essential vital force into shen or spiritual energy the Taoist philosophy gives us a nice one especially the teachings of master mantak chai now if you find mantak chai's work or body of work a bit dense to get through uh, eric you'd love which was a student of mantak chai um, has also written a couple of books, Daosh Yoga and the Sexual Energy, as well as Daosh Yoga and the Tree of Life, which is a nice correspondence to help you bring that Eastern kind of idea along with Western hermetic um, 
magic into a, a bit of an alignment. But what happens if we begin this process? As we begin to generate sexual energy inside of the body, and we begin to breathe this energy up, because this is oftentimes really the missing key for a lot of practitioners. A lot of practitioners are just breathing. They, they go to a typical yoga class and they're just inhaling up the energy. And this is good. This is a key, but it's not the main key. The main key is still the transmutation of sexual energy. That's really the fundamental of it. So as I then inhale and I transmute this energy and it starts to go up my spinal column, I may experience a bit of a burning sensation, but like a not like an energy, like a body burning sensation, more like an energetic burning sensation, like a burning clean. And as it actually enters this base channel, that's actually what happens. The sexual energy itself is still in duality, hence the old phrase that, you know, attraction is based upon opposites and love is based upon rapport. And this is it. So that attraction, that duality, that, that sexual energy current, those essential, the vital force of the body is now being transmuted. So there is a stage of this purification. Now, if you do any type of high ceremonial work and you're bringing an energy from the top down at the same time, that'll add to it. And it'll also help purify if that energy is stuck getting loose. Because a lot of people get stuck in that stage. They struggle to transmute the energy. In fact, if you're doing any of these practices and you still find yourself intensely in want or need or in arousal, that energy is just not transmuted. Uh, once the transmutation begins, that energy transforms and it becomes this sense of life, the sense of vitality, even a sense of joy or a sense of power, or a sense of energy. But it is a pure, cleaner energy that is non-dual. In fact, a very similar phenomena happens when we start to understand psychic readings inside of the eye um, or psychic impressions versus emotional or ego projections. Emotional ego projections usually have a duality type emotion linked to it. Whereas intuitive emotions or intuitive insights have a pure sense of knowing. There is no immediate emotional positive or negative association attributed. It, we only tend to get that once it makes its way into the neocortex and it kind of gets filtered through our processes. Now, once that energy starts to move up, there's a couple of things that can start to occur for the practitioner here. Now, in the beginning, in the early stages, remember there's these, we spoke about that air, fire, water, earth kind of tears, and that also then relates to the Kabbalistic worlds of the Atzilut, Bria, Yetzira, Azai, which is again, like you can consider the collective unconscious, the personal unconscious, the subconscious, and then finally the conscious. These tears, we are all the same thing we're working. So when we're first doing that visualization, we're basically operating at those top tier levels. And by continued practice, it comes down to the physical levels, meaning it becomes more physically intense. We get to feel it more real. We're more involved in the process and the experience. Now, when this begins to happen, so again, like it won't necessarily happen in your first session, you may just experience warmth, heat, things like that rising up. But once it actually transmutes and that energy starts to go up the spine, something interesting starts to happen inside of the brain. Now, um, self is plugging in for the cult. If you want the full details of what really happens in the brain and the biochemistry, we do go into detail of that in the cult, but in the cult of you. But for now, just understand that this change of energy actually creates change in protein release inside of the body. This also creates an alteration in your state of consciousness, which 
creates a dissolving of the identity that we're very familiar with. That old phrase, when you see God, you are no more. This is literally happening. You're disassociating from the neocortex, associating to the cerebellum. And as such, that shift starts to happen inside of you. Now, as that shift starts to happen, and this is an experience that Timothy Leary talks about in um, some of his work, when he relates the spiritual journey or the journey in psilocybin mushrooms that someone goes through to the journey of the tibetan book of the dead and it speaks a lot about the transition from the lower bordeaux and the lower bordeaux is the you know the place of struggles and the place of fears and the ego death the same thing happens um, when people take mushrooms because there's an ego death and this ego death kind of occurs because the brain based upon its associative processes associates you even to time and space so your body to a certain location. Now there's a center in your brain responsible for this. And if that gets switched off, which is what happens inside of the side, people tend to experience fear. They tend to experience anxiety. And this is a possibility that does occur at times. When we activate from this, we the time-space veil drops. This is the eye of Shiva, so to speak, that opens up and destroys everything. So it destroys time, destroys space. And then it destroys yourself. And as it destroys self, it destroys all the stuff self is made out of, or the false self, the ego personality self. As it destroys that, that's when we step outside of time and outside of space. Now that experience, depending on the level of energy and depending on the level of practice you're engaged in, for example, this is more common with advanced sex magic practices and high magic practices than it is in traditional basic Taoist yogic practices or traditional energy shikung and kung fu. But when that transition goes, there may be an actual shift, kind of like those times when you you feel like you're, you're waking up in a dream and you're falling and you're being kind of shot back into your body. That kind of abrupt change is a possibility. Uh, shifting of vertigo, shifting of positions, feeling like you're large or feeling like you're small all of a sudden, jumping or upside down. This is all common attributions that spiritualist mediums also find when they cross the quote-unquote veil. And it's because of the, there's a kind of a reversal. We see this in Kabbalistic terms. If we look at the tree of life and the supernals, the, the, the top three versus the lower, they're kind of reversed. We have a, a masculine Hachman, a feminine Bina, but then the spheres beneath it, you know, beneath um, the masculine become feminine. The ones beneath the feminine become masculine in their qualities and attributes. This is the reversal. That's kind of a thing that can happen. It's different for everybody. Depends on your experience and your psychology. As that then begins, your magical magnetism starts to increase. This magnetism has an impact upon the quality of your voice. The quality of your voice, your tonality, your sound may not completely change, but your tonality and the resonance and the energy with it actually changes. And this is because of the magnetism that now gets fused in with your workings. Um, this is the basis behind the secrets of the Druidic storytellers, the enchanters, and all those kinds of practices. Now... Once we go further, as we progress inside of this, remember, this is purely the magical component or the energetic component. So you may experience that for short intervals, maybe a process um, or a low magic thing where it happens for a little bit and then it kind of goes away. But as you do this, you kind of set in a chain reaction because remember what happens in the unconscious is now going to cascade down. As it starts to cascade down, any kind of repressed stuff that is in there, in the system, bad beliefs, negative things that keep you from your fundamental source, your dragon, your god, your universe, your Abraxas, whatever it is, your Shimamifras, your Goisha, that's going to come through whatever that map is and whatever those mixed tainted parts are. 
and it's going to amplify to the point where it can manifest as actual reality, your duty, your job is to ensure that you maintain discernment. You maintain the discernment in the sense of when this comes up, you get to recognize, is this an experience I want? Because again, you've got free will, you're cultivating your free will. Or is it something that I'm going to let go of now? And then applying the principle of Kali, in a sense, destroying, again, this principle of Shiva as well, destroying that that old undesired reality and reintegrating that part of you that's been lost to come forward. Now, this continued progression then brings about wholeness psychically. One of the phenomena that we find in spiritualist mediumship in the old days is that somebody doing mirror gazing, you know, some people call it silver mirror, some people call it white mirror, um, but normal mirror, you sit and gaze in the old classic, use the two candles, stare at the thing. The faces that you see coming through um, are correspondent to your psychic conditions. They are spiritual beings in that sense or correspondence like that, but they're also psychological components and they're matched. That's why the old golden non-adage, I'm the exorcist in the midst of the exorcism. As you purify these components, eventually when you look in the mirror or someone looks at you in that same Hakula style vision, you just start to glow. That glow starts to happen. And this is the sign of an integral person, a person that is integrated into the various components. When they are at that state, they've resolved their attachment issues. They're in a state of, you know, secure attachment. They've matured their elemental components. They're a healthy sovereign. They're a healthy warrior. They're a healthy magician, lover. And they're operating in these other quadrants of their life. So again, this is not just a magical practice thing. This is something that reflects in your actual world. You've overcome, quote unquote, the slave God. You've defeated the slave God. And you've now gained power over that. Same, you know, as... Sigurd that slits the throat of the dragon and drinks the dragon's blood. You've now liberated yourself from these various parts of the mechanism and purified those components of yourself alchemically, you know, to come out the other side. So as a result, your kind of growth is kind of fully, fully established or it's continually expanding. Because again, there's a, a mindset that a lot of people have with this is I'm going to master the technique and I'm going to be done. You're never going to be done. Um, the tree of life is a good symbolism where it says the Malkuf of the current tree or the key to the current tree is the Malkuf of the next tree. And it's an infinite journey. You see, as you continue to expand your model of reality, you're starting to take in more of your divinity. You're moving that, moving that force, that infinite force to flow through your system, your energetic system. You're going through this alchemical channel. What ends up happening is you can now handle more and more levels of that energy, greater and greater expanses of consciousness. And they are specific to your unique purpose and destiny. That's why it's never going to really match one of the things that you've seen. In fact, if you're trying to match what you've seen by someone else, like a Jesus or a Buddha or a Genghis Khan um, or, you know, a Richard Branson, that's not you being on the path. That's you replicating someone else. That's still you being a slave to one of those programs. And what will happen in the next stage is your intuition will open up at a higher level because you'll have more energy coming up. Uh, natural phenomena that starts to occur is increased sudden flashes of light and sudden flashes of energy at spontaneous level this is because there's more energy now available in the system which then feeds and nourishes the other centers in the dance tradition we look at the three treasures that three treasures will populate the lower dantian which will bubble up to the mid dantian and the upper dantian this then empowers the chakra system or the energetic system and that energetic system then once empowered can then operate at a, bit, at a better level this is part of the reasons lots of our manifestations struggle besides 
internal resistance, there's just not enough energy to feed those things and truly magnetize them. I hope that answers your question and give you some food to thought. Please, everybody, if you've got some questions of yourself, give us a comment or write us an email at info at the cult of you. I'm Adam Knox reminding you to live deliciously. family it's adam knox here thanks for supporting this podcast and you know these ideas i really appreciate free thinkers you know like yourselves that are willing to challenge conventional norms and think for themselves and take on new challenges and look at new ideas and as such i want to say that if you haven't yet if you are looking at ways to improve your knowledge over the entire field and you're looking at a you know regular feed of ideas and concepts to keep improving yourself i'd like to invite you to sign up at the cult of you all my teachings and all my ideas are there for only 19 dollars a month and every month i bring you a completely new section of some of the most cutting ideas and i'm constantly adding to that so i'm constantly reviewing and adding more knowledge as i gain them and you'll see a lot of the interviews and a lot of things that i do extend on some of the subjects that i cover inside of those areas i do take quite a bit of effort to make sure that the filming is also quite good and to give you not just a demonstration of rituals but also talk you through the psychology behind them so that you're empowered to do them and i cover every subject under the sun from science to art to magic to all the different systems out there from the golden dawn to the western of the western traditions to the left hand path traditions we discuss technology and technomancy we discuss sex magic and seduction we discuss so much more from purely the mental aspects to how do you deal with the darkness when it comes up as well as how do you take those things into business and into your romantic life as well as what are the keys to make your magic work as well as to unlock different degrees of spirituality so if you haven't yet please consider signing up at the cult of you and you'll be able to send me a mail and message there and i'll be there to help you you're personally through mail correspondence and chat you and guide you through the entire process and if you make it through the first year of the entire cycle and you graduate the second year of the program you're able to have direct sessions with myself and some of the members of my temple and i look forward to helping you whether you go that route or not please keep enjoying these podcasts please share them with people that you think they are they're going to find value them like and subscribe to the show and please send me your messages to info at the cult of you i would love to hear what are things that are important to you what are th- ideas and concepts that this raised maybe this inspired you maybe this you know made sense to you maybe this opened up something i'd love to hear that please talk to me and please share with me write in the comments and give me your ideas and concepts if you're watching this on the youtube channel if you're not if you're only watching this on the youtube channel please hit on over to spotify and do subscribe and if you're listening to this on spotify go check us out on youtube but please share this share these ideas and these concepts 
and let's let's have a conversation i'd love to hear from you that's it for me i'm adam knox this is the call to view and remember live deliciously <laughs>